Down in three. Quick throw. What a catch. Samuel stays upright. Terrific catch and run. One-on-one with Ramsey. Can't bring him down. Samuel. Highlight reel. Touchdown. In the entertainment capital of the world. Kirk Cousins back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson. Climbs the ladder. Oh, my goodness. It's the T.C. Martin Show. 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 and 10 for Mahomes. Pressure, and he sacks! First one of the day, and it's Bosa who gets home. T.C. Martin. T.C. Martin. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. He is electrifying! T.C. Martin. Is this for real? Oh my goodness! Can he do it twice? T.C. Martin. Can you believe it? Even a little Dion strut to the end zone. Martin All right, here we are on a Wednesday middle of the work week hump day today. And what started out to be a joyous celebration in Kansas City today is the Chiefs were celebrating their Super Bowl championship, which they just earned going back 72 hours ago here in Las Vegas. We have sound. We've got audio. We've got jubilation from the parade. And then as the parade was dispersing, the players were off the stage. They were packing up, ready to go home. And then disaster struck. Uh, terror in the crowd there in Kansas City of over nearly 200,000 fans that were gathered for this joyous occasion today as a shooter, actually shooters, um, decided to take fire on the crowd after the parade was over as people were dispersing today. So we will get you updated on that. So, um, when we were planning the show today, it was, hey, we're going to play some some pretty good audio, some fun audio, and we'll still play that for you from Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Brett Veach, and we will still play that for you today, but that has been overshadowed of what happened in the aftermath afterwards today in Kansas City. So again, it is breaking news. Um, the Kansas City Police Department uh, having a press conference as we speak right now. And again, this uh, took place literally less than two hours ago. Uh, the parade was around 11 a.m. Uh, our time, Central Time, or rather uh, Pacific Time here, so 1 p.m. Kansas City Time. And uh, the parade route went on as, as scheduled. Uh, fans were packing the streets of downtown Kansas City. They had the stage there. Uh, Mitch Holtus, who I was talking to yesterday, was going to have Mitch uh, on the show here today uh, after the parade. Uh, He's the fine play-by-play voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, and he was hosting the parade today. Did a fantastic job. And uh, again, the parade was, was fun. It was good. Sunshine. And then as the... Uh, people were dispersing and leaving. Um, shots were heard. 
and we'll give you uh, as much information as we know, and more information is continuing to flow in here. But uh, three shooters, uh, I believe two were apprehended. There was, as of an hour ago, there was one sh- uh, suspect that was uh, still on the loose, but uh, we'll get that updated for you. He has been caught. 15 injured and one dead. And uh, again, this was the shooting after the parade today as people were dispersing in Kansas City, downtown Kansas City, and uh, three shooters uh, overall here. And I, luckily, more people were not killed, more people were not hurt. And uh, news didn't come out right away of of uh, a person being killed here, and that is is pretty recent. Because when I was driving in today, and I watched the parade, I was watching the parade today, recording sound, and again, the coverage was over. The television coverage was over of this parade on NFL Network, and it wasn't until much after that that we got news about the shooting here. So, um, disastrous day there in Kansas City. Numchuck's been following this here in the studio. Uh, tell, tell me what you have found out uh, besides what I just said, uh, there is 10 to 15 hurt. Mm. So either shot or trampled or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the breakdown of the, of the shooter of the shooting victims are one dead, five serious, three critical, one non life threatening. Mm. And, uh, all of those, uh, that were injured were taken to the nearby hospital there in Kansas City, um, just tragic day. What uh, it's funny every time we have these large gatherings, you always wonder in the back of your mind: is something going to happen? Something tragic? And uh, after the Chiefs were on stage celebrating, and it had a lot of funny stories I wanted to share today, and we still will. But uh, again, this takes a very, very drastic. You know, turn here for a Super Bowl that was celebrated for what you know that was conducted here in Vegas. Kansas City Chiefs, as we as we know, defeated the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday here in Las Vegas, and the Chiefs back home celebrating the parade. They went through the parade route today, got up on stage, had a good time with that. Everything went uh, you know very smoothly, and then uh, as people were were leaving, um, shots were fired, and you know. I'm just wondering, you know, it's a good thing that this was at the end of the parade after it was over, but you just wonder, and I don't know if we'll ever find out, you know, they did, you know, apprehend two shooters who are, you know, there are three shooters that are. They've got three people and, in and custody. They're, and they're alive. And they're, they're in custody. So they're all in custody. So a lot of times with these shooters, like with the UNLV situation, the shooter was dead and we had no idea what was going through his mind. And we had to try to, you know, piece everything together and, and wait for the investigation to, you know, to be concluded before it found out anything. Hopefully we find out why they were doing this, who was doing this, what was the mindset, uh, for them to, to try to, you know, you know, kill people, take out people. It is, uh, beyond recognition here that, uh, you know why? Why people would do this? And disgruntled fans, or did they have a motive? What was their their statement they're trying to to make here? You just never know. So hopefully, we get that information here. If not today, 
but in the coming days. But uh, it's it, it, it's craziness that we have these type of stories all the time, and we have it in the sporting world, especially at a day that is supposed to be a celebration. But obviously for these three goofballs, uh, it wasn't for them. Who knows what the reasoning was? And it's a good thing that this did not take place you know, during the actual parade route, that it didn't actually take place, um, you know, where they were shooting, attempting to shoot players on stage. And again, the parade basically was over. It was concluded and people were dispersing, going to their cars, going to public uh, transportation and uh, shots were fired here. So uh, prayers definitely going out to the, to the victims of this uh this this crazy crazy sad event and again Kansas City Chiefs celebration their parade today one dead uh 10 to 15 injured in the uh Super Bowl rally there in Kansas City so there are videos circulating online of citizens tackling the shooters right and it is great to see that. Yeah. Now, I heard about that when I was driving in, that that happened, that, uh, you know, commend a couple brave people for noticing here's a couple guys with guns and and they're starting to shoot. And a couple brave people decide to take them down, tackle them. I think it was probably more than just this two. Well, I heard initial the two people that, and then others jumped in to I'm saying to there's, there's as well, too. Two separate, both of the shooters. Or shooting suspects have been were, were tackled by by how many people? It was Se- several, many? several. It was okay. several. Okay, because I, I had heard that a couple people, you know, took down uh, uh, you know one shooter, and then other people jumped in the fray as well too, and uh, very brave and very uh, heroic for them to do that. But uh, there will be another press conference at uh, six, three o'clock. Three o'clock Three Pacific o'clock. time. Pacific. Okay, five o'clock there in Kansas City. So, all right, we will keep you updated on uh, more information that we find out uh, regarding that. So, again, unfortunately, we are doing a lot of live shows under these circumstances. Flashback for me today of what transpired just a few months back with the UNLV situation, where uh, you know happened right before twelve noon, and this thing, basically the same time frame. Pacific time for us, even though this is in the central time zone of Kansas City, which uh, took place uh, right around before 2 p.m. today. I was watching this parade this morning, like I said, and, you know, making notes and recording sound uh, audio from the speeches on the stage today. And NFL Network concluded their their coverage, went back to normal coverage. And then then the chaos uh, began with uh, the shooters. And again, Kansas City Chiefs parade today, downtown Kansas City, three shooters apprehended in custody right now. Unfortunately, 15 people injured. Uh, Several are in critical condition, and one has been pronounced dead. Kansas City Chiefs have just announced that everyone, team, staff, organization is safe. They're safe, yeah. Again, so the way this worked, you know, they were up on stage. And they dispersed the back end of the stage, and the crowd was, I mean, very, very deep. You know, a couple hundred thousand yeah. people were there. So this shooting took place far, far away from the stage area. And again, the stage was was empty at this time that this took place. So 
again, you don't know what the motive was. You don't know who the shooters were were trying to shoot. I mean, it's it, it's always something. Even though you, the craziness that we've seen, we saw it at the Super Bowl, and I, I saw it firsthand with the streakers out there. And anytime someone tries to go on the field, you don't know what their mindset is. If they just have a stupid, crazy message, they have writings on their on their back, or they're holding the sign, or you know, it's a dare, or they're trying to actually harm a player or a coach or an official. You have no idea, but there's just always these people that have this type of stuff on their mind, attention getters. And in this situation, someone's showing up to the parade with guns. Now I know a lot of people today are going to come back and say, Oh, Hey, how can people be in, you know, open public here, you know, with, with guns and rifles? I mean, how did they get through this? Well, Again, when you have, and we don't have the numbers, I'm just guesstimating from what I saw today. I didn't hear any numbers. I'm guessing it's right, two to 300,000 people that were there in Kansas City at this parade. And those are kind of normal numbers we hear, depending on the size of the city and everything for these parades. But Kansas City is not a major market, as, as we know. It's a, it's a mid-level market. But uh, the place was packed today, diehard fans, and they love their football, and they love their Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, so it was packed today. And it was a bright, sunshiny day, but uh, you know it's not like you can go through security when you hold these parades. You know, it's not like you're going to a stadium where you have to get you know patted down. You got to go through the X-ray machines, surveillance, all that kind of stuff. So we'll see. Uh, you know, in this area, downtown Kansas City, there are plenty of cameras on buildings and businesses, street lights, all that sort of thing. So I'm sure that. They will scour all of that and um, and and take a look at this and get a time a better timeline. But the good news is is they did apprehend the three shooters, and that's the number that we're hearing. Could be less, could be more. I don't think there's less. But uh, and I heard they got two right away, and then one was on on the loose, and then they they grabbed that person as well too. But we will see um, as we get more details here why. This took place today. They're saying close to a million people were there. A million there. There. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it was packed. It was pretty packed. So, and again, you know, with police and security, it, it's almost impossible because again, you're not going through any screening machines here. So, you know, people want to, to bring weapons to a parade. I mean, there's not much you, you, you can do about it. And unfortunately, um, you know, these things happen at, at at large public gatherings. You know, we really haven't seen shootings like this, but we've seen the nonsense of, you know, burning vehicles or, you know, looting. We've seen that kind of nonsense, you know, it, it parades before. But, um, yeah, just uh, total craziness. So the more information that we get on that, we will deliver uh, as the show goes on today. All right. Uh, we do want to talk uh, about the Super Bowl from a Las Vegas uh, perspective today. Chris Matthews will join us from 8 News Now. Uh, Chris, covering uh, the last two weeks here in Vegas from all aspects, got a chance to to see him at the Super Bowl and during the, the week's festivities and everything that uh, you know we were both covering. So we'll get his thoughts on that. Sam Gordon will join us. Our good friend who just recently took a new job in San Francisco with the San Francisco Chronicle. And he is now the Golden State Warriors beat reporter. 
So congratulations to Sam Gordon. And uh, I promised Sam once he got settled in there in San Francisco, we'd have him on the show. So today we are going to have him on the show with that. Uh, have so, we asked if stuff. there's any new, any good gyms in the area? Uh, well, you know, I know that area pretty well. And, um, you know, downtown San Francisco doesn't have a whole bunch of gyms. I think they got one bougie gym. But see, I, I see, uh, like you, I'm fascinated with that kind of stuff. Like, I want to know where Sam's living. Yeah. Because most people don't live in the city in San Francisco. They commute. They live outside. So, you know, again, and I know Sam's not familiar with San Francisco at all. So I know he just got thrown in the fray. Uh, he had applied for the job. Uh, he got the job, and then he told the Las Vegas Review Journal, who who was his, who was his employer, I believe, for the last six years, said, "Hey, I got a job with the Warriors Chronicle. I'm gone. See you later." And next thing you know, he was gone, and Sam didn't even get a chance to to cover the Super Super Bowl here. I know he applied for credentials way back when, but uh, now covering the Warriors. So we'll talk to Sam uh, regarding that. So a lot to hit on today, and again, talk about the Las Vegas. Uh, Super Bowl experience, but I want to go on with what I had planned today for the segment, and that is to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs parade prior to the shooting here uh, today. And uh, again, the parade was very festive, uh, going off in style, but I wanted to play Brett Veach's comments. He is the Kansas City Chiefs general manager. And listen to what he had to say. Now, first of all, like I mentioned, Mitch Holt does does a fine job and has for decades as the Kansas City Chiefs uh, play-by-play, radio uh, play-by-play voice. He was hosting today, and he introduced the man, the architect, behind putting the Chiefs together. Listen to what Brett Veach had to say very carefully here. Special, right? Because we started the season, we were 0 1, and then at one point we lost four or six games, and we lost to the Broncos on Christmas Day. That was all the experts needed to say the Chiefs are done, they're finished, and finally we see what a Chiefs down year looks like, right? Well, after the clock struck zero on Sunday in Las Vegas, we actually did get to see what a Chiefs down year looks like, and here it is right here. All right, so if you caught that, Brett Veach is kind of full of himself here. I don't think he was drinking. Now, there are others that were drinking at this time, but you want to go back and play it back one more time, Chuck? So I want to make sure everybody heard this very, very carefully. It's about probably 20 seconds in to what Bre- uh, what Brett Veach said here. Christmas Day. That was all the extra. Missed it. See, you, you missed it. You didn't go to the beginning. You told me 15 seconds in. And, well, I wanted you to listen at that point in time. Go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. The season we were 0-1, and then at one point we lost four or six games. And we lost to the Broncos on Christmas Day. That was all the experts needed to say. The Chiefs are done. They're finished. And finally, we see what a Chiefs down year looks like, right? Well, after the clock struck zero on Sunday in Las Vegas, we actually did get to see what a Chiefs down year looks like. And here it is right here. Christmas Day, the Chiefs lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Raiders. They didn't lose to the Broncos. They did lose to the Broncos. But that was like back in October. <laughs> how, how can you get that one wrong? 
I mean, you're on the stage and you're saying, yeah, everybody thought we were done. I mean, he got the part that they lost on opening day to the Detroit Lions at home at Arrowhead. He got the part right where they lost four out of six games. So that he, his math was right there. But everyone was saying they're done because they lost at home to the Denver Broncos on Christmas Day. How do Raider fans feel about that? Now, you, we know how Raider fans felt about the Super Bowl. Raiders fans, you know, were upset that Kansas City was here. They were upset they were in the game. They're upset that they were taking over the Raiders facility in Henderson. They're practicing there all week. Then they're playing in their stadium, in the Raiders' home locker room, on the Raiders' home sideline. And then you have the general manager at the parade 72 hours later saying, not even giving the Raiders credit. No, we lost to the Denver Broncos. Hammonager! Do you think there is any player that kind of slipped something into the Raider locker room. Slipped something in. Like, just, no, like a championship shirt or, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Oh, left something behind? Left something behind to where they're just, you know, so some Raider's going to come back and be like, (laughs) what the hell is this? Oh, you know, I don't think so, but with the goofballs that some players are, that'd be kind of funny, and I wouldn't put it past him. However... I could see Kelsey doing it. I would say this, though. I would say this. The Chiefs, for the most part, don't view the Raiders as a threat or rivalry, which they shouldn't. No. Even though the Raiders did beat them this year, all right, but the Chiefs have owned the Raiders, for the most part, and the Chiefs have owned the Raiders in games here in Vegas, and even going back to Oakland, the Raiders' two wins were both in Kansas City, you know, going back, what, uh, you know, what, 2021. Yeah. You know, when the Gruden riding the bus and all that, you know, let's take a lap around. You know, that didn't uh, go over too well with Chiefs fans. And then they won on Christmas Day. The Raiders beat the Chiefs, not the Broncos. Do you realize who the last quarterback to beat the Chiefs were? The Chiefs, Chiefs was the last quarterback. The last quarterback to be the Chiefs. Well, that would that would be uh, Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell is the right. last. Yeah, <laughs> that's just funny to me. And the one before that, Russell Wilson. Oh, he's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man! All right. So the parade continued, and then they gave the mic to the three-time Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes. To continue to go, to go for that championship. They all doubted us. I don't want to hear any different. But you know who came through in the end? That's the Kansas City Chiefs. I just want to thank everybody here because Chiefs Kingdom, y'all are the reason that we do what we do. Hey, real quick, real quick. Hold on, sorry, sorry. I'm, I, I'm, I know, I know. I'm a regular quarterback. This is what it is. Um, I gotta give a shout out to that defense. I mean, can I hear it for the defense? It's crazy. A defense can win the Super 
going to still be underrated. And that's what those boys have been doing. Hey, one time, can I get a, can I get a shout out for Harrison Bucker? Can I get a shout out for Tommy Townsend? Can I get a shout out for James Winchester? No, for real, though, we appreciate everything y'all do. Showing up to Arrowhead every single week. We know we had to go on the road last year, but I promise you next year we'll be at home. And we're going for that three-piece. So don't get it, forget it. Don't get it twisted. We're doing it. Three times, first time in NFL history, we doing it. Love y'all. All right, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, now, do you think Mahomes sounded a little tipsy? Oh, I saw some pictures on the bus. He was tipsy. It sounded like it, didn't it? All right. Well, if you thought he was tipsy, the guy that they were waiting for to take the stage. Now, this is an interesting story because, as I mentioned, Mitch Holtis, the play-by-play voice of the Chiefs, was wrapping things up. And he said, you know, earlier, well, you know, wait till we hear from Travis Kelsey, this and that. So he said, well, Big Red being Andy Reid is saying, wrap it up here. So he was, they were wrapping it up and they were playing music like, okay, this part is over. And Chris Jones, the fine defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, who, by the way, apparently must have signed a, a new three-year deal today because he came up on stage and said, you know, hey, I'm back. I'm playing next year. I'm playing the next year. I'm playing the next year. And there was, you know, there's a lot of, of um, speculation if he's going to be back as a chief. Because remember, he uh, threatened to sit out this year, did sit out at the beginning, and uh, even missed a game. And uh, he was in good mood today. So as it looked like it was over without Travis Kelsey going to speak, Chris Jones grabbed the mic from Mitch Holtis.
There's Travis Kelsey. <laughs> now, was that William Carlson esque? No, there's there's never going to be a William Carlson esque. <laughs> that was pretty close. That was, I mean, that was close. Both hammer time, right? Both ha- Oh, dude. Uh, Trav might have been. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm trying to think of a limit that he like he he was at least four times. So he decided to go with a Garth Brooks song, incorporate his own words, right? Now you know a lot of people are going to say, why not a Taylor Swift song? Why didn't he go with that? You know, people are saying that today, right? So yeah, I watched this parade. I watched everyone speak, including Andy Reid, Chris Jones, who we didn't we didn't play theirs, but. Um, there wasn't much substance said at all from any Chiefs player that took the stage. Did you see Pacheco with a goat? I did. I did. Where did he get a goat? I don't know. Why and, does he have a goat? And I'm still trying to figure out who the guy was that had like the the furry on top of his head or whatever that was. Uh, had no shirt on. And uh, I think it was number 13 because I think he had 13 tattooed on his uh, on his stomach. Yeah, uh, we had the pants sagging. We had no shirts. This was the weirdest thing that I saw. That would Probably be ever. on. That would, that would be Willie Gay. Oh, okay. Running back? Or, no, 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 no. Defense. Yeah. Defense, yeah. William Gay. It seems weird. Thirteen. But anyway, um, very strange, man. Very, very strange that we saw some bottles of water. I think that I saw some bottles of alcohol, but never have I ever seen nachos. On the stage, players are eating nachos yeah. on the stage. Yeah, buddy, you're you eating. Gotta eat. And they're in, in the, like they're they're sharing it. Another player, oh, where'd you get that? Give me some of that. They're eating. They're eating, and they're standing on stage. Yeah, it was kind of chaotic, kind of crazy. But uh, but then unfortunately, it got more chaotic from a very tragic standpoint with the uh, the shooting after the parade. So after the Chiefs left the stage, um, the parade was over. They said goodbye. And the crowd was dispersing, and then uh, three shooters decided to uh, try to shoot up the crowd there. And uh, one dead, 15 injured, and uh, very, very sad news. So we will continue to get more information as it develops. It's a developing breaking news story. It's national news. CNN has uh, broke away from there regular, you know, programming and uh, they are covering this and have been for about the last uh, two hours or so. So we'll keep you updated on that. Very, very sad. All right. When we come back, we will talk, uh, put a wrap on the Super Bowl from a Las Vegas perspective. Chris Matthews from 8 News Now will join us and we'll talk about the game itself and how Las Vegas came out, supported, and basically being uh, deemed a success here in our city for Super Bowl 58. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boot. Okay, listen. I, Travis Kelsey can do a bad version of singing this song, but this is a horrible rejoiner song. I mean, you got... Boom! Energy, fine. We got we got Mr. Ener- Mr. Energy waiting on the line, and you come back with this. How much you want about he loves this song? He can't stand this song. Nobody likes this song. 
Chris Matthews. Can I get a witness? Can, can, what do you think of this song? Yes. Who's in charge? Who's in charge of your music catalog? Thank you. This is this is I'm, I'm trying to decide here. I thought I was, and all of a sudden you get the producer like free reign, and he's and he's coming with us crying our beer and and do Garth Brooks. You got to watch over that crew there. Watch. Okay, you know what we're doing, Chris. You know what we're doing. We're gonna, you know, uh, you and I don't get a chance to do this at all because we do live as we do it, right, Chris? We do it now, right? Eight News live, now, TC Martin Show now. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna pretend that we're on that we're recording this. It's taped. So let's start over, Numchuck. Let's take it from the top one more time. <laughs> Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, TC Martin. <laughs> There we go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Garth Brooks, right. Chub Rock. I, don't know, I think, Chris, you're probably in the middle there, okay? But I'm definitely more on 1990s Chub Rock. What do you think of that? Now we can go. Now we can move ahead. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about our Las Vegas Super Bowl extravaganza. The man who was covering it for two straight weeks going crazy, maybe crazier than I was, all over the city, and you saw him relentlessly on 8 News Now, and he joins us now, not yesterday, not now. Sunday, not tomorrow, the one only, Chris Matthews. Now. Now. What a fun week, huh, guys? I mean, that Woo. Super Bowl week was phenomenal. We were out there at the... Uh, the Bellagio fountains doing live reports to the four, five, six, and 11. You know, it, it seems like every single thing that you would have hoped for happened in terms of positives for the Super Bowl here in Las Vegas. But one thing was not, and that was the cold weather. Unfortunately, the rain and the cold was really the only negative that I can even think of from the Super Bowl. Everything else, everything else was great. The in, the out to the game, the transportation, the, the flow of people, the game itself. Inside the stadium, the broadcast, the records that were set, the overtime, every single thing seemed like it was just absolutely perfect for Las Vegas and CBS, except for the cold and the rain that week. Right, 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 right. Oh, man. You know, and for people who came in from out of town, they're anticipating or they're thinking, you know, they're going, hey, Vegas, it's like, you know, 78 degrees, you know, like all the time when it's not 110, it's at least like 80 or something like that. Well, not the case. We do have winters here. This is a desert <laughs> community, right? We do get that. Yeah, but the rain is, that's such a downer. Even if it's sunshine and it's maybe 58, 60, then that's maybe an improvement for a lot of, you know, tourists that are yeah. coming in. But yeah, like we, on Super Bowl Sunday, right? It was, it was great on Super Bowl yeah. Sunday. I yeah. mean, it was sunny. It was it was a little cooler, but still, it was sunny. You know, a funny thing is, I think it might have been on Thursday when it was pretty chilly at night, and we were walking back to our live spots over there by the Bellagio Fountains, mm -hmm. and I see a husband, a wife, and these two little kids, and the lady had a uh, what do they call those? Like a mid midriff or a, like a halter top or whatever. Her belly showing, <laughs> right? And then she was going down the escalator with me and. And her husband and these two little kids said, man, aren't you guys freezing? And she said, nope, we're from Wisconsin. This is fine for us. And I said, oh, my word. So I mean, maybe, maybe I've gotten soft in all my years out here in Las Vegas. 
Yeah, I think uh, you have, Chris, but that that is very true. You know, you know when, when you're a Wisconsinite, I mean, definitely. Yeah, yeah, you have. You know, it reminds me of the story. I've told this a few different times. So when I moved from uh, Sacramento to uh, Green Bay, and I was uh, you know, just started working in the market there, and it was opening day, which is right around Labor Day, right? And here I am. I'm walk, uh, going up to the press box. I'm in the elevator, and the temperature was 62 degrees. And that's a balmy, beautiful 62. Well, here I am, Chris, okay, because I'm the California guy, you know, lived in Vegas before that, but still, you know, Sacramento, Vegas, similar weather, especially, you know, in, in September. I've got a Packers parka on, and these guys are looking at me like, I, where did this guy come from? We know he's from California or Nevada or something like that. What are you doing? And I was just like saying, it's 62, man. That's jacket weather. And there's like shaking their head at me. Like, is this guy nuts or what? So yeah, these Wisconsin people, I would see people in Wisconsin dressing in their shorts when it's like, say, mid to upper 40s. And I mean, so, so that's exactly what you saw. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy to think. I mean, and there were a lot of people. There were, uh, I'm going to say it again, a lot of people who didn't have jackets on. They're walking around with just, uh, you know, short sleeve shirts. I'm thinking, hey, guys, it's 40 degrees. It's 48 degrees outside. Aren't you guys just absolutely just <laughs> freezing? Nope. They're having a great time. Super Bowl week. You know, it was kind of neat, too, to see how the, uh, from from uh, okay Monday was the opening you know the opening night over at Allegiant Stadium where you're talking so we did stuff over there but from Tuesday through Saturday we were at the fountains in front of the Bellagio and it was cool to kind of see how the population of up uh, walking up and down the strip steadily increased in all those jerseys and stuff it was it was a, a good memory it's something that always take that uh, be, you know being the first and then it won't be the last obviously but just those memories of being able to cover the very first Super Bowl in Las Vegas was pretty special. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, from from all our sides on the media, I think they've got a chance to experience it and cover it. Radio Row from the game itself to all the stories and going to the events. Um, like you mentioned, Chris Matthews joins us, fine sports director and anchor at 8 News Now. Recovering, Chris. Uh, have Have you recovered? Have you begun that time to recover? But then again, you really don't get much of a, a, a chance. But I think everything that we do now, whether you know from UNLV or something, will still be kind of like um, a breath of fresh air because it won't be just so chaotic, right? Yeah, no, that was a busy, busy week. But you know, it's a blast. I mean, people who complain about that kind of stuff probably should get out of the business because right. even though it was busy and you're working 12, 13, 14 hours a day, whatever, you run home, try to get some sleep, and you're back the next morning and doing it all over again on Super Bowl Sunday. Just all that was so much fun that uh, I, I would do it again. I mean, it's just, that's how much fun it is. But now, yeah, isn't, isn't Las Vegas crazy? Because I was driving into work today, so this gigantic crowd that was here for the Super Bowl, and how we how this city can just pull off big event after big event. So the Super Bowl leaves, and I believe starting today, might have, might, maybe even yesterday, is we got the big magic show in Las Vegas at the convention center and another big, you know, uh, deal for Las Vegas. It never ends. And then at the beginning of the month, we'll have the, uh, the National Rugby uh, League in Las Vegas playing over to Legion Stadium. And if you haven't had the chance to go look and see about this, this, uh, Australian rugby, and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Go into YouTube and just type in Russell Crowe rugby. He, it's about a three-minute video. He explains the rules. Great Purdue. It's terrific. It's, it's smartly produced. Kind of gives you an idea of what this rugby is going to be all about. 
after you watch that, I guarantee you will want to go see the games at the first part of March at Allegiant Stadium. So, Chris, do you ever, like, you know, take it to the next level? Because I know some sports anchors do when you're covering something like that where you decided to, you know, put on the rugby shorts or, you know, the old Pittsburgh uh, Steeler Bumblebee uniforms, you know, where we've got the horizontal pattern. Because we know that's a rugby uniform. Do do you ever do a report, you know, dressed like that? Because I think people would be dying to see it. I know I would be dying to see it. (laughs) You. Yeah, but you might be the only one dying to see it. <laughs> Come on, man. I want to see Chris Matthews with the high socks, you know, and holding the holding the ball. Heck, I mean, look how many times hey. during the course of Raider games that I got to look up on our screen in our press box and I got to see you, like, go, dropping back to pass, like, with a suit and tie on with, with your hand on the football. Come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? So I think hey, we – I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, if the National Rugby League sent me an outfit and a ball, I would wear it just for the fun. It'd be a great live shot. <laughs> no doubt. All right, man. So give us um, give us your your schedule, whether it was the last two weeks or the week of like leading up to this, because I know that you got very little sleep and it wasn't just you, but you know, again, you've got your, your other anchors there at news eight in the, you know, your photographers and everybody else there just kind of, kind of take us through, uh, you know, the average day le- leading up to it. Yeah. Okay. So I probably, it kind of depends on what was going on, but that's, I can't think that it's like every day kind of rolled together. Let's just right. say on Tuesday. I went over to, or whenever Wednesday was, I went over early morning, right when, right well before the people could get in, to do a little story on the uh, uh, Super Bowl experience over at Mandalay Bay. Real cool. I mean, if you had a chance to get over there, you know what I'm talking about. I kind of like history, and they had a bunch of cool history from Canton, Ohio, at the Super Bowl experience. And I guess every year, uh, Hunt Auctions will pick a player. And have a big auction focused on that player. Well, this year it just happened to be Johnny Unitas. That's kind of my era. You know, the uh, the old Colts quarterback, the Baltimore Colts yep. quarterback who played for, you know, forever with Baltimore. And and so I thought that was really interesting. So I talked to you know those guys about some of the auction items and what they're selling. And while I'm talking to the guy, you know, Johnny Unitas is uh wife you know he's passed but the widow calls and hey how's everything going everything set for the big auction but you know so that was kind of cool just all the stuff that was surround just the history i thought was phenomenal you had all the rings you had uh different pictures old jerseys old uniforms from all these different players way back in the red grange days um the 20s it was just i i was i just loved all the history so that was really cool that everything nickelodeon stuff you could they had building wilson footballs they had there so i just kind of went around before they opened it to the public and uh, did a story on that. So that was early in the morning. Then I went over and did all the live shots. I don't know if people realize that for the most part, sports anchors or reporters, we pretty much do our own thing. So we report, we anchor, we shoot, we edit, we'll produce our own stuff. So we have to kind of do it all. So I had to get over there. Then I had to earn cut the piece and then get to the uh, Bellagio in time for a four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock and bottom of the hour and 11 o'clock live shots early and then later in sports. So we had all those things to do, trying to line up guests and all that. So that was one day. The next day I went over to the Tom Brady over at Fountain Blue where they're putting together this Hall of Excellence, which is going to be neat too. It's like a mini Hall of Fame. Jim Gray was involved, I guess, as a kid. He's collected a whole bunch of memorabilia. So the uh, the interviewer, the uh, 
uh, what would you call him, journalist, uh, Jim Gray. I'm, I'm sure everybody's seen him on Showtime. Oh, yeah. Boxing yeah, Jim's a good friend. Yep, he's, he's a great yeah. journalist, no question, and, yeah. and, and broadcaster. Exactly. Yep. 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 So he's going to, he has, I guess as a kid, he saved a bunch of merchandise and memorabilia, stuff that is now memorabilia, sports memorabilia. They had Tom Brady there. He had his rings. Um, Jim Gray had his football signed by every single NFL quarterback who has played in a Super Bowl, so that was pretty cool. So anyway, they're going to have this. In the, in the coming months, I would assume next probably three, four months, they're going to open up this Hall of Excellence. And it's not just going to be football. It's going to be all kinds of cool stuff. They got balls from, you know, the, the, uh, U.S. presidents have these balls signed. So they got, it's going to be like a little mini museum over there. So I'm excited to see that. So we talked to, uh, well, I mean, we covered that, came back to the story, cut that, went out there and, and did that. And then, uh, God, what else did we do? Something like we just did so many little stories and, and, you know, I had, Tim Brown and I had the Raider puppet and different things. And I talked to uh, Deborah or not Deborah, Nora O'Donnell, the uh, CBS evening news anchor. She was by and we grabbed an interview with her and different players. And you know, one, one guy we talked to and it's like, none of this happens without Napoleon McCallum, who was a former Raider running back Navy, uh, worked over at the Venetian back when Mark Davis, you know, couldn't do the deal in LA. And, and it was Napoleon McCallum who really is responsible for hooking all this together and making it happen and putting the two sides together, the important pieces of the puzzle together to have a Super Bowl here. So, we, you know, we talked to him and we talked to the, the Chiefs radio play-by-play guy. Um, Mitch Holtis. Rings, yep. by the way. Yeah. Um, so just a lot of cool, yep. a lot of cool stories. Uh, just a fun, fun week in terms of everything that we had going with the, with the football side. So, you know, yeah, like I said, it was a, it was a busy day, you know, 12, 13 hour days. But you get home, you grab a little, you know, a little bite to eat because you're getting home late and you get up the next morning, get ready, you're off to work to do whatever next story it is. And we had a lot of fun stories. So I, I, was, I was kind of pleased with all what we did. You know, Ron was at the radio row grabbing some people. We had Logan and Gil, part of our team. They were out there at Lake Las Vegas with the Chiefs and with the uh, the Niners getting sound from the different players and how they're preparing for the week. And so I think we had all the bases covered. I think we did a pretty good job of trying to um, – Tell the you know give our viewers kind of a sense of what's going on in Las Vegas and Super Bowl week. And it's pretty cool too because you know when you're the CBS affiliate and your network is is actually broadcasting the game, then you're going to get those you know like I say the casual fans as well too. So I'm sure you got to look at that and look at uh, you know some stories like that because they go oh yeah that's that's the the channel we're watching the game on and that sort of thing. And, uh, no, you guys did a fantastic job. I saw Ron over at uh, Radio Row and, uh, again, saw a lot of your pieces. That's, uh, it was great stuff. I was going to ask you, and you probably already mentioned it, but if you didn't, what was the best story that you covered that week leading up to the Super Bowl? Um, probably. Or, or what, or what we really kind of resonated with you, you know, kind of close to your heart that you got, that you're really proud of too. Like, man, that, that was good. Probably the Johnny Unitas one, just because right. I like history. I mean, I, I like I, I I can spend hours looking at sports memorabilia and history, and that's why I'm excited about the uh, the uh, the Hall of Excellence at Fountain Blue, just because it's I, I just like that kind of stuff. It was a while back. I think it might have been last summer. I don't know if you went to it, but uh, Jim Ursay takes his his sports memorabilia around the country, and he usually has a couple of band members that follow, like the lead, you know, the the like a leader for the the singer for Sticks or um, ZZ Top, you know, what's, what's the guy's name? Gibbons. Um, yeah, Gibbons, mm-hmm. you know, he'll take that stuff around. And that was last summer, I believe it was maybe in May or whatever. But anyway, he brought that here, downtown Las Vegas. They had a fantastic, 
uh, Hall of uh, uh, Sports Memorabilia, and also other you know historical pieces, guitars, and you know the uh, the the drum set that was that was used on the Ed Sullivan Show from Ringo Starr and the uh, from the Beatles, and just all kinds of cool stuff from from U.S. history, also you know like different denominations of bills and and like a a uh, drum set from the Civil War. You know that was the guy that was kind of out in front that pretty much probably lost mostly most of those guys probably lost their lives because they were out front with the you know the drum and the Civil War and so just all kinds of cool stuff. So my favorite piece, to make a long story short, was probably the, the Super Bowl experience because of that history and did a little piece on that. So that that was pretty fun. And you know, interviewing Nora O'Donnell was was pretty cool too because we talked a little bit about Taylor Swift. She has some kids that are teenage kids that she's actually taken them to a couple of Taylor Swift concerts in the past and and talked about uh, talked about that and what she was doing here and the security and she told us all about that stuff. So. That was that was kind of fun, that, and one of the corniest things, but it was still kind of just a fun piece. Is that we, every those who watch our Raiders pregame live show every Sunday morning during the season, every once in a while, we'll have this puppet on, and uh, we named him Raider Puppet, and so that's kind of what stuck. And so we had this puppet on. Well, he came down, and we did a little piece, kind of like the Muppets, where we had him answer questions, and and you know at the end, hey Chris, you know what? You're kind of my dad, you know what? We just had some fun with that, so that was a fun little piece. And overall, I think we. Uh, I, you know, we had fun. That was my favorite, though. Probably the the history piece. Right, right, right. All right, Chris Matthews uh, joins us from Eight News now. Uh, what was the biggest, say, eye opening thing for you? Whether it was game day or leading up to it, they, we knew what to expect. You know, we covered Super Bowls before and that sort of thing. But here, being in Las Vegas, was there something that really kind of like said, "Wow, this is uh, you know, not only we, we're in this and we're doing this thing, but." It, did anything kind of really surprise you, or what kind of uh, really stood out for you? Uh, I don't know if anything really surprised me. I mean, you had the you know all the fans and the strip and the different stories surrounding. Um, maybe what maybe what was a surprise is is exactly how many things were going on in Las Vegas over the course of that week that we couldn't even touch. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things going on. We try to do this, 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 and this, but there's that, 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 that over there that we just couldn't even get to. So that might be one kind of a surprise to just, man, you could really do, you could almost do half hour shows on Super Bowl every single day of the week. If you really had the manpower to go out and do it. So that's, that, that might've been a little bit surprising just how many small, and I don't know if it was just because it was Las Vegas, but it seemed like there were so many parties and appearances by various players around town that uh, you think, oh, man, I'd like to have got Josh Jacobs. Oh, that would have been cool to go over yeah. and get Jacoby Myers. Or, oh, that would have been nice to, to grab Devontae Adams when he was there for a short time doing this or that. But we just didn't have time to do all that stuff. Probably another thing that, that I'm impressed with is kind of, you know, like I mentioned with Nora O'Donnell, the security, what goes in to preparing an Allegiant Stadium for the Super Bowl. They basically, it becomes a compound where you have to go through different checkpoints to even get in as a media member. You go through this one to that one, now go into this one to get up to your press box. It's just that's what I was going to say. That's what blew me away is that, you know, not only going through those checkpoints and, and taking a, uh, a roundabout way, but looking across the street from the stage, uh, stadium where you've got the parties going pregame with the, you know, the Niners, the gigantic tent. And then you got the Chiefs gigantic tent and you've got all that stuff. It's like, <laughs> wow. It's like, you know, they block off, you know, Polaris there, the street. And it's like, okay, this, this, this is much bigger than a Raiders game, you know? Yeah, it's it, the whole compound. It's, it's basically they turn that into a compound. Yeah, 
where you don't even get into those parties without going through this security and that security. So it, I mean, they got it locked down. The NFL does it right in terms of trying to control everything. And, and they do that very well. I mean, I, I, I did a story. Oh, here's another interesting story. I did 93 year old Jerry Eisenberg who attended every single Super Bowl. He, in fact, he's the only person living yeah. journalist living journalist. Now they had three other guys, part of that, you know, never miss a game uh, trio that's still alive. But in terms of a journalist who has covered every single game from one through 53, he got, he had some health issues. So it's forced him to stay away for the last, what, three, four, seven, the last five. Um, but I went out and did a story with him. He lives here in Las Vegas. Jerry Eisenberg has written a bunch of books, He's a big boxing guy, but he also knows Pete Rozelle. He's got a book on Pete Rozelle, tons of, you know, books on football, the Giants and this and that. Anyway, I went out and did a story with him. And when he, when he covered that first Super Bowl, how about this? When he covered the very first Super Bowl, there were 13 writers, 13 journalists covering Super Bowl number one. Yeah. Is that crazy? Yeah, and if you remember, Chris, the L.A. Memorial Coliseum was half full, not even half full, yeah. for the Packers and the uh, Chiefs game. Well, I come to think of it, you mentioned that. This Super Bowl here in Las Vegas was the lowest attended, ticketed Super Bowl in NFL Super Bowl history. Small because stadium. that Super Bowl number one right. had 62,000, I think it was like 61,900 and blah, whatever. Yeah. This one was below that. So this is the lowest ticketed Super Bowl in NFL history. Yeah. And you're right. You know, and people talk oh, about another story I did. PC, I did another story I did was pretty cool was I went over and talked to the ticket guy. Um, you know, Neil Portnoy. I had him. He's an artist, local artist, Neil Portnoy. He's had the, he has a great big mural inside Allegiant Stadium. He does a lot of, uh, sports, uh, you know, art and whatever. Um, I did a story with the uh, ticket guy over there. Mm. The tickets were just outrageously expensive, from eight thousand to twenty five thousand. You know, get in price, game of day. It was just nuts. So I guess with the lowest ticket price, you could also, you know, you could make the point that it might have been the richest in terms of what people were paying to get in. I think it was the second most, wasn't it? Right, right, second most, exactly. Yeah. Wow, great stuff, Chris. Great stuff. All right, man. Well, we'll let you recuperate a little bit, get right back on it, and uh, we'll see you around town here uh, this week. All right. Thanks, DC. Appreciate it. Have a great show. You too, buddy. There is Chris Matthews, the sports director and anchor at 8 News Now. Check out Chris, Ronfi Troll, and the whole gang over there at 8 News Now. All right. We come back next hour. We'll talk a little more Super Bowl. We'll talk some college basketball as well. And Sam Gordon's going to join us, not from Vegas anymore, no, from San Francisco Warriors. And we're going to tell you about a story that maybe not too many people knew about where the Warriors almost pulled off a blockbuster trade. And the flush! Oh, the left-hand flush! It's time! Live. Oh, my goodness! In the entertainment capital of the world. Bring your lunch! It's the T.C. Martin Show. With a flex of the muscles! Diagnosis. Look at that! Oh, my goodness! So he does a lot of things out on the floor, including dunk. Osmosis. Wow, he can really bounce off the floor. It's the doctor. Bust and the hammer for Oliver. We got a five-point game, three minutes to go. T.C. Martin. Got the putback by Walker. <laughs> the doctor is now in. Hour number two here on this Wednesday. 
Continue to follow the breaking news story of the Kansas City Chiefs parade that uh, went tragic after the Chiefs had a celebratory parade. Four Super Bowl trophies on display, the players on stage, and then after the parade was over, as the crowd was dispersing, a uh, very tragic shooting took place there at uh, the Kansas City Chiefs Championship Parade today. Two shooters involved, uh, three people apprehended, are in custody. Um, we'll try to get to the bottom, and they will, police trying to find out uh, why this took place. Fifteen were injured, uh, as uh, many shots were fired. One person died, and of the 15 people that were injured, 11 were children. So that is very sad. Um, don't have the exact numbers of how many people attended the parade. There are reports that are saying anywhere from 500 to 700,000, maybe close to a million people. I was watching the parade today. And, uh, again, none of this, uh, which took place after the parade, um, was shown because it was after the parade and people were dispersing when the, the shots were fired and then the chaos ensued. But, uh, the parade itself, we played some audio, uh, from Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, uh, from earlier. So you can go on the website and, and hear that a little bit later on at tcmartinshow.com. But, uh, Yep, a very celebratory day in Kansas City for all those Chiefs fans who uh, know a thing or two about holding parades three times in the last five years, back-to-back, and uh, the players were on stage yelling, three-peat, coining that phrase again, and something that we know a little, or hoping, with Las Vegas Aces as they go for the three-peat here with their season starting here in May. But uh, unfortunately, the parade ends tragically. It was very joyous. It was a lot of fun. Crowd seemed to be having a great time. And uh, then shortly after those speeches took place on the stage and the players uh, left the stage, uh, were heading home, then uh, shots were fired. So again, the latest update on that, there were two shooters, three people overall uh, involved, three are in custody, and police uh, are, are still questioning to find out what the motive was behind all this. 15 injured, one unfortunately dead. Um, half of those injured are in critical or stable condition. And uh, 11 of the 15 that were injured were children. So very sad day. But when people got up this morning there in Kansas City and going to the parade, they weren't expecting anything like that to happen. So very tragic news uh, coming out of Kansas City uh, today. All right, um, we're kind of putting a bow and a wrap on the Super Bowl here in Las Vegas uh, this past week. As we know, leading up to it, you've had uh, you know two weeks of festivities, parties. Uh, we talked to Chris Matthews in hour number one from 8 News Now. He shared with us a lot of the stories that uh, they were doing. I think everybody in the media spent a lot of time not only you know covering the game, but the festivities and everything else that was going on. And uh, I said this yesterday, I'm going to say it again today, that Las Vegas did a fantastic job. And we talked yesterday in part of our Terrible Tuesday segment about how a columnist from the New York Post was ripping um, everyone associated with the Super Bowl, saying that Las Vegas is a rotten choice. That was the phrase that the journalist used. A uh, rotten choice to host a Super Bowl. And as we know, Living here, being part 
of the daily fabric here of our city, knowing that Las Vegas is so equipped to handle these large events. And a lot of people just don't realize that Las Vegas has been hosting these type of events, not so much Super Bowl, but, you know, going back to those days, you know, when you go back to, you know, the seventies and the eighties, when no one else was hosting world championship boxing mega fights, especially the size of the city was Las Vegas. Yeah. Remember Las Vegas back in those days, you know, was not even a hundred thousand people and we're hosting those fights at Caesar's palace. And then as the strip continued to grow and, you know, a lot of the fights were moved over to the MGM grand, uh, and, and other venues as Las Vegas grew, Las Vegas has always been the Mecca for boxing. And then when the UFC came here, it became the Mecca for the UFC. And then of course it all changed dramatically when the golden Knights came to town. And now you had, you know, 41 minimum, 41 home games at a beautifully new constructed T-Mobile arena. The Las Vegas aces came and took up their home there at the Mandalay Bay. And you're getting 10,000 fans at their games and the aces win two championships. The golden Knights, you know, win a championship last year, with Stanley cup finals, the very first season, 2017, 2018. And so the city has continued to grow. Uh, more and more people have moved here. You've had more and more casinos being constructed. The, you know, suburbs now are going out 20 miles, 30 miles each way, north, south, east, and west. And it's a, a major city, major concerts, residencies from some of the biggest superstars in the world, in the, in the music genre, and of course, Cirque du Soleil. And the list just kind of goes on and on. And so for people to make these accusations that, you know, Las Vegas shouldn't be hosting these type of events. And they've only had a team here with the Raiders, you know, for only three seasons, three years, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty ludicrous to say that because nobody does it better than Vegas and no one is more equipped to do it better than Vegas because of the hotel rooms, the proximity of the hotel rooms, the transportation. Sure. Las Vegas can improve the transportation part. You know, the construction has been a nightmare for locals. You know, we saw that firsthand with Formula One. You throw that big event in there, and that was monstrous, especially from a worldwide perspective. But when you get a Super Bowl and you deliver on the Super Bowl where basically everyone who came to that Super Bowl came to the city, even if you didn't go to the game, they're walking out of here saying, hey, this was great. This was a success. Uh, You know that you scored, you hit a home run, you scored a touchdown, whatever vernacular that you want to use. But some of the things that were being, you know, said and written out there and about, you know, players were going to, you know, maybe get arrested or, you know, miss the game, you know, Chiefs players and Niner players. You got to remember, they didn't stay on the strip. Okay. They, the only time they visited the strip was when they were doing something from a team function, like on media night, when they came on the buses and they left on the buses. All right. The players for both teams were staying out of Lake Las Vegas. Okay. Which if you're from Vegas, you know, Lake Las Vegas is 20 minutes, you know, 25 minutes away from the strip, you know, out in Henderson. So, uh, they were secluded big time. 
out there and their oasis out there. So the people that got in trouble were the same people that would get in trouble, you know, whether there was a Super Bowl here or not. Uh, was there crime? Was there, you know, DUIs? Of course. I think we went over this yesterday. I think, what was it, Numchuck? That what we had 39. I think there was 39 DUIs. DUIs. And that's encompassing the whole, the whole weekend valley. or the whole week? The whole valley. The whole valley. I think it was the whole valley Sunday night. Right, right. So again, that's not just, you know, the umbrella of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Strip. No, that's, that's all of Clark County. So, Success, no question. Being at the Super Bowl, seeing how it was run, I can tell you, yeah, it was uh, it was chaotic at, at times, but but not chaotic in the sense of of being unorganized because it wasn't. And as we talked with Chris Matthews last uh, hour, it, it was very organized, and um, you know, typical traffic problems, but but really not that bad. Really not m- th- as bad is no difference, I should say. For a Raiders game or, you know, a bowl game or a Pac-12 championship game or any, or, you know, a soccer event at Allegiant Stadium or a major concert, which we've had so many of those at Allegiant Stadium. No, n- none of it was any worse than that. And, uh, I made reference to, I saw something go down at the end of the game in the stadium where, you know, a guy tried to steal somebody else's jacket and he was drunk, intoxicated and police jumped on it immediately and they took care of business. So yeah, you didn't hear a whole bunch of nightmare stories that took place in Las Vegas during the Super Bowl. You know, there, there were, you know, no shootings like we heard today with the chiefs parade. It was, it was nothing of that nature. You had the entertainment go off, uh, you know, the entertainment venues and all the concerts, you know, all the guest appearances from whether it's NFL players, other celebrities, all went off exceptionally well. The Radio Row, which we were part of, smooth. Crowds galore. Chiefs fans, Niners fans, they showed up, they showed out, and it was a success. It was a blockbuster dollar uh, success as well, too, for all the money that got brought into Las Vegas. And, hey, that's that's why... The Convention and Visitors Authority decided to do these things. And there's some outlays, financial outlays, but in the long run, you come back, you know, 10, 100 fold of the money that brings to this uh, economy and uh, truly the entertainment now and sports capital of the world. So, yes, kudos to everyone involved in Las Vegas. And I know. People personally who are on the Super Bowl organizing committee, fantastic job. They've been at it for nearly a year. Congratulations to them, everyone else, um, police officers, firemen, paramedics, all those people, fantastic job. And then the game day crew as well, too. So uh, very successful time for our city. Now, what is going to happen with the Super Bowl? A lot of people think, hey, you know, it should be here every year. Well, that's not the reality. It's not how it works. How it works is the now Las Vegas, because of the success, they will, the NFL will look at this like, okay, we will give Las Vegas another Super Bowl. But what is the time frame? The Super Bowls are planned out at least three years in advance. All right. So we know next year is going to be New Orleans. Okay. We know that. And uh, you have other 
um, cities that are are in a in rotation, but they're not a quote unquote rotation. So they can be moved and shaped, and a lot of it has to do with other activities that are going on in a particular year or major convention. Then you know we saw New Orleans get skipped, you know, one year, and they they got moved to this uh, to next year. Actually, New Orleans was supposed to host Super Bowl this year. And they moved it to next year, which opened yeah. up for Las Vegas. And I think L.A. is in, in the next couple of years, and so is Santa Clara. Yeah, see, now Santa Clara is one where they're going to – they've hosted one. Yeah. And, and they're, they'll be in, in the mix again. But the staples are Miami, Tampa, Arizona, and now L.A. because of SoFi Stadium. And Las Vegas should be right there. But – the downside, if they're the only downside for Las Vegas, because they score with everything else, with the hotel rooms, the proximity, travel, all that stuff, weather, even though you're playing indoors, is that Allegiant Stadium only seats 65,000 for football. Now, it seats less than that because of the way they configure the stadium. And remember, they put, I believe, another, what, two or 3,000 of auxiliary media people that took up some of the 400 section. So you had that. But um, Las Vegas will be back in the rotation, but probably not as soon as you think. So next year's New Orleans. Santa Clara is officially for uh, February of 2026. And then um, Super Bowl 2027 hasn't been officially announced yet, but they're leaning towards Nashville. The Titans are, will have a new stadium there at that point in time. Chicago is going to get a Super Bowl once they get their new stadium, and that's going to have a retractable roof. And then you've got the the regulars, like we mentioned, the warm weather cities. But you also have uh, Atlanta and Indianapolis. Okay, those are domed. And then you're going to have the other winter spots that will occasionally get a Super Bowl in Detroit, Minneapolis. So it's... It's not that it's a slam dunk, so to speak, but Vegas will be back in the rotation. But I would say we may not have another Super Bowl in Las Vegas till I would say 2030. I was going to say 2030, 2031-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and there was talk this past week, like, oh, maybe eight years. And then people say, oh, we'll be back in four or five years. Well, we just ran off the next three years or are spoken for. Next yeah. four, technically, because tw- twenty-seven is technically back at SoFi. Back at SoFi, and you know, but see, that's kind of weird too. I get it. It's L.A. It's SoFi. It's state of the art. It's you know, when you look at the two newest stadiums, it's Allegiant and SoFi. And SoFi, they spend a lot more money, and it was much more elaborate, and it seats more people. And it is Los Angeles slash Inglewood. So uh, that would be a quick turnaround because remember, SoFi just had a couple years ago, but. Uh, yeah, so Vegas will be be back in the mix. See, I'm not sure how I feel about about Santa Clara and Levi Stadium because the weather not always good there. I mean, heck, I I was in a torrential downpour the week before, sixty mile an hour winds. You know, yeah, not far from you know right, not far from there in Northern California. So it's like there is no guarantee you're going to get great weather the first weekend in February in Santa Clara, California. Should I look up the weather right now? I can. I mean, yeah, or what it was Sunday. Or what whatever. it was, but, yeah. And I, my guess would be that it was probably in the fifties. You know, 
You can look it up, Hill, if you want, in Santa Clara. Now, Santa Clara is a little bit different than San Francisco in Oakland. You know, no water there in Santa Clara. But no, it's it's not guaranteed. You know, you know what you're going to get in Vegas. You know what you're going to get in L.A. You know what you're, what you're going to get in Miami. Now, we've had Super Bowls played in downpours in Miami or Tampa. We've seen that. But for the most part, you're getting warm weather cities where you could pretty much count in in those communities that you're going to get you know, temperatures in the 70s. Heck, we've had some Super Bowls that have played in the 80s before. But uh, again, Las Vegas, the weather cooperated the, the last few days. You know, on Saturday and Sunday, the sunshine was out. But again, you didn't have temperatures approaching 70. Heck, you barely cracked 60. Uh, you know, for Super Bowl Sunday, but uh, the festivities went great. Everything was uh, was fantastic with that. All right, so more NFL news uh, coming out today. Uh, speaking of the Chiefs, and uh, this came out before the parade, the uh, Chiefs extended the contract of uh, Steve Spagnola. Uh, Spagnola, defensive coordinator. Got a lot of kudos for what he's done with the Kansas City Chiefs from being the defensive coordinator there. And the Chiefs' defense, fantastic. In the Super Bowl, Chiefs, fantastic. Last couple seasons, he has been with Andy Reid since 2019 in Kansas City. He also spent eight years in uh, Philadelphia with Andy Reid as he has defensive coordinator. Well, he gets a contract extension today from the Chiefs for an additional three years. Uh, remember, he had that stint as a head coach with the Rams, and that did not necessarily go well for him in between his stints, you know, with the Chiefs and the Eagles when the Rams were in uh, St. Louis. But uh, Super Bowl champion now for three Chiefs teams, NFL youngest defense is what he was in charge of. Do you know the average age of the Chiefs defense is 25 years old? And I mentioned... GM Brett Veach earlier, we played his soundbite where he didn't know that the Raiders beat the Chiefs on Christmas Day. He thought it was the Broncos, as he said in the speech on the stage today. But he has put together a fantastic roster. He's done a fantastic job of drafting. And now, you know, you know, you got Patrick Mahomes locked up. Travis Kelsey probably stay there and finish his career if he so chooses. Chris Jones said today that he's going to be there for the next couple of years as well, too. And he's been a guy that a lot of people have pegged going elsewhere. Okay, he had problems with the Chiefs and came out today. He said it to everyone that uh, he's back and he wants to play with the Chiefs not only next year, but the year after that and the year after that. So we'll see if uh, he actually does get the, that contract extension. But today, Steve Spagnolia gets the contract extension for the Chiefs as their defensive coordinator. Now, a big story in the Super Bowl, aside from the Chiefs winning, as we know, was the uh, Travis Kelsey bumping and yelling Andy Reid on the sideline. Now, I was at the game, so here's the the bad part. Remember yesterday I talked about not seeing the commercials, all this other kind of stuff? Yeah. Okay, replays, you know, you don't see that. When you're in the press box, press section, you miss a lot of that stuff. So I was getting texts about this because I did not see it. 
happen. I mean, it's, it's great to be at the games and you get to see the plays unfold and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of stuff that takes place on the sideline, you really can't, can't pick up. So I'm going to ask you, Numchuck, how noticeable was this and how big of a deal did CBS make this as it happened with Kelsey bumping Andy Reid? As it happened, it wasn't a big deal. But then they showed the replay, mm-hmm. and it was a big deal. Then it took, then then it took it, off. Then on. it was like, oh, there's something going on here. Okay. So Kelsey comes off the field. Is that how it happened, or yeah. was it Kelsey? Was he, t- was he already off the field? No, he he was coming off the field. Okay. I forget. And they had to punt. I guess. Yeah. It was, it was that, and he went over and he bumped Andy Reid, yelled at him. And I don't think he meant to bump him. I think he's kind of lost footing sort of thing and kind of like slipped into him. And but he like, was in his face yelling. He was screaming in his face, and, but I don't think he meant to originally okay. like full contact with him. And, and so what we got out of this was that, that Kelsey was saying that, you know, he wanted the ball more. You know, I want to win this game. Well, who doesn't want to win this game? And again, you know, Kelsey is is just a hothead. Well, you know, we know that. So uh, as we know, and many people know, the Kelseys, Jason and uh, Travis have their podcast. And Jason Kelsey, Travis's brother, called him out on this saying, hey, man, you, you shouldn't have done that. The broadcast showed you having a heated exchange with Coach Reed. <laughs> so heated. People are all over this. I mean, I get it. You cross the line. I think we can both agree on that. I can't get that fired up to the point where I'm bumping Coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. I mean, let's be honest. The, the yelling in his face, too, is over the top. I think there's better ways to handle this. I love Coach Reed. Coach Reed knows how much I'd love to play for him. I'm not playing for anybody else but Big Red. If he calls it quits this year, I'm, I'm out there with him, man. He ain't calling it quits. Come on now. He's not. I immediately wish I would have took a back. Coach Reed actually came right up to me after that, and he just let him know, hey, man, I love your passion. I got cameras on me all over the place, man. He's letting you know not, not to be like that. Just fired me up even more to go out there and get a f-ing victory for him, man. Big Red, sorry if I uh, caught you with that cheap shot, baby, but damn, I love winning with you. You got to have your head on a swivel, because next time he gets fired up at you, he's coming hot at you. You know that. Oh, yeah, I deserve it. If he would have cold cocked me in the face right there, I would have just ate it and just been like, yeah, let's f- Go. I'm not trying to make this situation acceptable, but this is what happens when you have highly motivated, passionate individuals. This doesn't happen if you and Andy aren't as close as you are. That's what nobody knows. The reason this happens is because you two love each other so much and respect each other so much that you feel open enough to have an interaction like this. It wasn't me mad at Coach Reed as as it looks. It was the frustration of our team not having success, turning the ball over, and me being on the sideline. On the sideline. Damn it. It was pleading with your head coach to let you go out there and win this mother. That's what it was. Me and you both know what it was. Andy knows what you mean to him and what he means to you. There it is. That Travis Kelsey uh, answering those questions that uh, everyone has. Like, why did you do this? And uh, his brother Jason with their uh, podcast there. So here's the deal. There is some truth to the matter of when you're close to someone you feel like you could say anything. All right. There is some truth to that. All right. And would this happen if people were strangers or whatever? Eh. But that's not excusable. All right. Just like Jason said, it's not excusable. The bottom line is this. 
Travis Kelsey is a hothead, right? Yeah, he's a me first guy. It happened because, and he said it there at the end, he wanted to be on the field. I had noticed during the game, wow, here comes a third down, and Travis Kelsey is coming off the field. And he's jogging off the field, or he's walking off the field. And I'm thinking, hey, you know, if you're the Niners, you're thinking, hey, this is great. You you just took out their main weapon. So here it is on, you know, third and four, third and five, and Kelsey's not on the field, which is very, very strange. This happened several times. So he was upset because he wanted to be on the field for those key third downs. He wanted to be on the field for every offensive snap. Okay, I get that. But again, if you're a team guy first, that's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. We saw Patrick Mahomes lose his cool, you know, when they lost, you know, to the Raiders. He was upset about that. Okay. And took a lot of flack. Again, he's a competitor. And people started calling him a whiner. Wow. I've never seen Patrick Mahomes like that. Okay. That's, that happens. It's natural. But Kelsey's a hothead. We know that. And you just don't do that. You don't do it. It's not excusable. It's a bad look for him. It's a bad look for Andy Reid. And for Andy Reid to just kind of like ignore it or shove it off, not discipline Travis Kelsey, it just makes it look like, okay, the players are running the asylum here, which is what many fans think. So it shouldn't have happened. Uh, Andy Reid should have said something. I'm not saying he needs to take him out of the game, whatever. That's a coach's decision. Some coaches would have done that, but most coaches won't when you have a big star like Travis Kelsey and you need him on the field and you want him on the field to win these games, especially the Super Bowl. But it wasn't a good look, not in any shape or form. So <sighs> Kelsey is a great player, but you know, at what extent do you do you want to have to deal with that? And then with him always dropping f bombs or you know going rogue and that sort of thing. I mean, if Andy Reid has that relationship and there is a mutual respect, you pull him aside and you say, "Listen, man, just stop, stop the nonsense." I think that's what what football fans you know want to see. But just to brush it under the rug and say, "Hey, man, it's because they love each other and this and that." Okay, fine. But that's that's a lame excuse, all right? So, yeah, not not real good about that. So that was a story, and then of course, much was made about Mike Shan- uh, rather uh, Kyle Shanahan's decision to receive the kickoff in overtime or not. Should they receive it? Should they they kick and let Patrick Mahomes you know have the ball first? Much was made that you know Shanahan and his staff and the team did not know the overtime rules were. You know, again, this is the first time they've been implemented in this situation. The rule came into place last year, but there were no overtime games in the postseason. Remember, it's a postseason rule, playoffs, Super Bowls, and each team must possess the ball. So if you score a touchdown first, game's not over like it is in the regular season, like it's been in the past. It's no. The other team will get to possess the ball, and if they don't score a touchdown, game's over. If they score a touchdown, then goes back to the other team that gets it until the next score wins. So Shanahan tried to make some excuses, like, well, we want the ball third. Okay, We score, they score, you know, equal scores, field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, whatever it is, and then, hey, now we get score and end the game. Okay, that's that's ludicrous. That's that's nonsense. Players said it after the game in the locker room. 49er players said, we didn't know the rules. We didn't spend much time on this. 
we got radio silence from Shanahan last two days. Today, what are we getting? Yeah, we went over the rules. Of course we did. Yeah, we were coaching staff. We knew. We knew what we wanted to do. Well, if that's truly the case, then you say that at the post-game press conference. You don't ignore it. You don't hide it because you're embarrassed. And more than likely, you have to believe in every player that I've talked to, former player, whatever, they say the same thing. No, it, he, he didn't know the rules. Because the verbiage that's coming out of your camp from your players and Shanahan not addressing it after the game, you got to believe he didn't know the rules. If he knew the rules, would he elect to kick off? Probably so. Can make that argument that, okay, defense is on the field for 11 plays prior to that. I got a young quarterback. You know, I don't want him chasing Patrick Mahomes. I want him to go ahead and, and try to go down and, you know, lead our team down for a touchdown instead of, you know, having your back against the wall and, oh boy, now I've got to deliver if the Chiefs have already scored a touchdown in overtime. So those are the situations that, uh, you know, we'll probably never fully know of what the deal is or whatever. But at any rate, we will uh, we will see. All right, um, Sam Gordon is going to join us if uh, uh, on the other other side here. But um, you want a phone call? We'll take a phone call. It's the guru, the guru, big Al. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's going on, T? How you doing, brother? Good man. What's happening? Nothing, nothing. Just uh, relishing a relishing another cash. Cash winning tickets, and uh, we're doing okay. Okay, on my way to Vegas. That's right. The guru will be here very shortly. All right. So I know, I know that you. Uh, oh, Big Al's got breaking news. Is there telling me? No, it's big breaking news that he's coming here. Oh, I no. didn't know this. Well, yeah, we knew this. Been hyping it for like uh, two months, man. Where you been? You fall not, asleep? Not paying attention to the show. I, I don't. Know I don't get. I don't get hype, guys. I don't get hype. <laughs> All right, Big Al. What's happening, man? What do you what do you, what do you got for us? Well, you know, I'm listening to listening to you on the podcast here, and and uh, talking about that writer from New York. What a what a yo yo this guy is! Oh my God! He didn't he didn't mention he didn't mention an article that Plexico Guerrero shot himself, did he? <laughs> What's that? He didn't mention that Plexico Burrow shot himself, did he? No, or else uh, you know he didn't. Uh, he didn't mention that, uh, like uh, you know, Boomer Esiason's uh, teammate uh, way back in the day uh, got busted for cocaine the night before the Super Bowl. Didn't 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 yeah. mention that because Boomer Esiason was pretty vocal too about, oh, you got to be careful about these players here. Well, Boomer, why didn't you talk about that? Your own teammate couldn't play in the Super Bowl because he was coked up the night before. Well, I heard a rumor that he has a he has a bone to pick with you personally because you took his press credential. Yeah, I don't think so, Miguel. That's a good one. What an yeah. idiot. Yeah, thank what you. What an idiot. Thank you, yeah. Yeah, that's the guy from the New York Post. I'm not even going to mention his name because it No, does, you shouldn't. He, he doesn't he's deserve a, it. He, 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 he's a... Uh, he, he's just nothing. He's nobody. He's, he's, you know, trying to get his name out there somewhere. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, we can hardly wait to see you when you get here, man. Uh, we get here. We got the we got food options galore, ready to rock and roll. We'll have a little bit of downtime in between Super Bowl and the uh, WNBA tipping off. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing you. We'll definitely get well, you in the studio tu- as well, brother. Next Tuesday, next Tuesday morning, I arrive in Las Vegas. I'm on my way. I'm in St. Louis right now as we speak, visiting the family. Oh yes. On my way up to Chicago for the weekend, and then. Uh, 
off the beautiful LV on Tuesday morning. Oh, yes. Big Al is out of Curacao, and he is the in-states uh, Big Al right now. So cool deal, brother. Yeah. Yeah, so what's, uh, what do you think of the free agent signings? Uh, from the Aces? Oh, I, I, I like it. You know, again, you know, we knew that we were going to have uh, basically the same team coming back. So uh, the pieces that they added are, you know, basically bench players and, you know, training camp contracts. Candace Parker comes back. That's That was huge. That was always on the radar. That was basically going to be up to her if she felt that she was, you know, wanted to come back. And she signed a very friendly contract for the Aces. So that's that that was great. And I think that, um, again, this is going to be a good way for her to end her career. And she would, uh, you know, love to end it with a fourth championship. And if she stays healthy, uh, it'll be a big boost to the Aces. So we're no question about for that. that. I'm glad they I'm glad they signed another big two to uh, Megan Gustafson. I guess she used to she was a great player in college. I'm I didn't see her bounce around too much in the pros. Yeah, I've seen Megan. You know, Megan actually had a good game uh, against the Aces when we were down in Phoenix, and she had a really good game. Even the Aces blew out the Mercury, but uh, she's she's a pretty solid player. And again, she's bench help. Uh, to spell Kia Stokes, and that's why they, they signed her. And again, uh, for added depth, and if the Aces need anything, it's it's some more height. So that's good. But um, yeah, no, I, I think I think it'll be good. And Bria Hartley signed a training camp uh, contract. Uh, hopefully, she can make the team because she would, uh, you know, bring some more experience. And uh, you know, she was a great player back in the day. And uh, then you got Sydney Colson coming back. She's kind of the heart and soul. You know of uh, of the aces, so she's back. So yeah, Becky Hammond, Natalie Williams, Nikki Vargas—they all want to basically get this core together for another run, and they they definitely got that. But uh, yeah, make sure you're listening to us on Friday, Al, when uh, Natalie Williams joins us. She'll be uh, oh, absolutely, she'll, she'll, absolutely. She'll, she'll, I'll be, she'll, she'll be I'll be you. on Friday. I'll be in beautiful. I'll be I'll be in beautiful Chi Town, bunch, munching on some Lou Malnati's. You got it. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. We'll see you in a week. You got it, brother. There is Big Al. All right, we come back. Sam Gordon will join us as we continue on here as we talk a little NBA, specifically a trade that almost went down with the Warriors. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and you're listening to T.C. Martin. He's huge, baby. All right, continuing on here on a Wednesday. Scott Spritzer will be joining us tomorrow in studio. So uh, talk a little handicapping. We'll recap the Super Bowl and a little college basketball right around the corner. March Madness. Don't you forget it, baby. NBA coming into crunch time. All-star game this weekend. And also tomorrow, my man. Oh, yes. Dr. Dunk, the one and only Darnell Hillman, will be joining us as the NBA All-Star Game takes place in Indianapolis. Uh, Darnell, great career with Indiana Pacers back in the day. And what I love, and we'll be talking about this tomorrow, is during this All-Star Game, uh, they will be saluting the ABA as well, the stars of the ABA, which includes my guy, my good friend, Darnell Hillman, Sacramento Sports Hall of Famer, Dr. J, Julius Irving, George Gervin, uh, Dan Issel, just to name a few. And how about these guys are going to be doing a roundtable discussion? Julius Irving, Darnell Hillman, uh, Rick Barry, and George Gervin. And those guys will be judging the slam dunk contest too. So Darnell Hillman won the very first slam dunk contest. 
And uh, so he'll join us tomorrow. Look forward to that. So speaking of hoops, baby, my man Sam Gordon joins us now. And for the first time, I say this, not from the Las Vegas Review Journal, Sam... I don't know if he was traded. I don't know if we have a free agent signing here. I don't know if there was a signing bonus, but we got to get the breaking news directly from the San Francisco Chronicles. Golden State Warriors beat writer, my guy, Sam Gordon, formerly of Las Vegas, formerly of Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities, and now currently residing in my neck of the woods, the Bay. What's going on, man? Man, how you doing, TC? Very much appreciate uh, appreciate the warm welcome as I as I slide uh, uh, up the Pacific Coast a little bit and a, a little further out west. But it, it's great to be back. Um, you know, had the had the privilege of watching the Super Bowl and, and getting to see Vegas and the panoramas and just how beautiful the presentation and how cool the city was and getting to follow the great work of so many so many of my our, you know my colleagues back in the city. Um, and experience Vegas through their work and, and through their work covering the game was awesome, as well as my current colleagues here at the Chronicle on following what they were reading. So uh, it was awesome to see Vegas uh, in center stage uh, and get the spotlight again that it, it so much deserved in this past week. What a great game to, to round everything out. And, uh, you know, very happy to be part of the show as I, uh, as I settle in here and try and get, get, get my, uh, my timing down, uh, living in San Francisco and, and covering them, yeah, and whatnot. But yeah, glad, glad to, uh, glad to be back on the show and, and, and glad you and, and everybody seems to be doing well. Well, Sam, you know me, man. I'm going to continue to reach out to you because, uh, you know, Warriors obviously close to my heart and we, as we know, they're relevant. And I think it's so cool that not only you you get this gig but you're doing something i'm gonna i'm gonna speak for you because i know how much you love basketball and how much you love the nba and uh you know i don't know where you stood on the warriors because you and i would would, would have these conversations i know you always, you, always, you always had the appreciation for them but to be able to cover a team like that uh, and I know people are, are thinking, okay, this is the downward spiral, but you still got Steph Curry in his prime, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and uh, it's a it's a great franchise. Uh, it's a you know they they got a WNBA team as you well know that the they are actually you know uh, own now that will be coming to the league here you know what uh, next year uh, or two years. So that's going to be great. Uh, I did, and I'm sure people want to know, man. So share, please share with us what you can about how all this transpired. Yeah, I think it was it was just kind of a, a relatively organic process, and, and you know, before I get to that, TC, just very much appreciate you know the kind words and you know, dream come true for me to have the opportunity to to you know to cover the NBA and and uh, to, you know, to your point, everybody with with the franchise, uh, players, staff, coaches, and whatnot, and it's been you know very welcoming and, and, and very warm as I've been, you know, getting my feet under me and accustomed to covering, you know, the NBA and, and doing it full time and, and being on the road or whatnot. So just wanted, wanted to, uh, you know, you know, share that with you as well. But yeah, just kind of organically un- unfolded, uh, you know, in the fall where I, there, you know, this opportunity became available and there were some, you know, kind of some conversations that, that took place. And, you know, we figured, uh, collectively that it would be a really good, you know, really good fit for me. And, and you know, again, just loved. Um, every minute of my, my seven years in Vegas or, you know, whatever it adds up to six and some change, certainly, you know, probably the aggregate of seven. I got out there in 2016 for the first time. TC came back six months later in 2017. And that, you know, was and is home, right? I, as, even though I live in San Francisco now, it's only been a, you know, a few weeks. I've been on the road for a decent amount of it. So, 
Vegas is, is home. It's home base. And, uh, you know, and, uh, a place that is, is always going to be very much near and dear to my heart. It was a thrill to cover everything that, you know, I have a chance to cover and have great conversations, you know, on, on your show and others around town. And, you know, uh, it really capture and, and be a part of the city's emergence as a pro sports town, uh, the aces, the Golden Knights, of course, the Raiders, and, and, and then, you know, apps on, on Saturday nights, you see, if, you know, if a handful of times a year, uh, boxing was, was such a great thrill for me to be able to cover everything. But, uh, with, with where, where the city was at, the NBA, you know, and, uh, we saw Adam Silver's comments today, I believe, on the Pat McAfee show, uh, the NBA commissioner about where Vegas is in terms of getting a team. It, it just doesn't have a team right now. So, uh, then the fact that I uh, experienced, I haven't had, uh, being an NBA beat writer has always been a dream. Being on the road like that, getting to experience that rhythm and having the opportunity to, to have that platform to, you know, just as a journalist, right, to, to experience that journalistically uh, is something that I've always valued and wanted, and, and it's been a great fit for me here at the Chronicle so far. Uh, very much, you know, full of gratitude for the editors and staff here uh, that have given me the opportunity to support the warm welcome and, of course, all my, you know, my friends at the Review Journal um, that were in support of this move, you know, after seven great years, uh, unforgettable years uh, there. So, yeah, it, it just it just kind of it just kind of happened, TC. And, uh, you know, grateful again for, for my time in Vegas and, and happy to be here and, you know, looking forward to trips to Vegas down the line. Obviously, Summer League announced uh, it's going to be back in mid-July. The league's stronger, conne- stronger connected to Vegas than ever. And, I, you know, I still have people very, obviously, very, very close to me that live there that I'm, you know, going to see when I can. So, um, yeah, I, I always going to be home, but having a blast out here in San Francisco. You got it. All right. So I got to know, Sam, I mean, you know, not a lot of people live in the city in San Francisco. A lot of people commute. And I don't know how familiar you are you know with the area i, I gotta know where where are you living are you living in the city where's sam gordon uh planting uh, his roots now yes yeah 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 i'm in san francisco proper right barely i'm, I'm right on the daily city border okay uh, but 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 i do have a, you know it is a san francisco address and you know uh very very close in close proximity to, uh, close enough proximity to the arena where it's a real smooth drive that's where i've been spending most of my time you know, just very, very immersed in what I've been doing so far. So I haven't necessarily had a chance to check out the city per se, uh, but from what I've seen driving around and going to pick up groceries and going out to eat when I need to and and, and, and just getting my, my, my roots here or trying to establish roots here, uh, I'm enthralled by the, just like the scenery, just like the, the gorgeous architecture, the greenery, uh, even though, you know, the rain is a, is a very welcome change. The desert, of course, very, very dry. And this is the, the rain here creates some really cool scenery and just atmospheres that where the, the, the you have vibrant, lush, uh, trees and whatnot. I'm not used to seeing that being in Vegas. So that's something that's, that was very, very easy to adjust to. Uh, the hills, of course, the, the, the old Victorian style housing, the, the, the architecture. And of course, having the opportunity, right, just to try some of the great restaurants here. I know this is, you know, just like Vegas was. A food a hub in capital. The sense I get from what I've been told and from what I've experienced is San Francisco is the, that that's the case as well. So I'm uh, still settling in. Still, again, I feel like I'm a ways away from uh, establishing roots, but I'm at a part of the city where I feel pretty close to everything and close to the landmarks I need to be at, and relatively close to the airport, which is a uh, a place I'm I'm very very quickly getting familiar with. Yeah. So it's all working out. It came together. It, it couldn't have come together any better. And and you know just having a blast, uh, learning something and experiencing something new. All right, Sam, beware of the fog. I know you're probably not familiar with fog <laughs> from where you live. That fog can be a killer there in San Francisco. You're gonna think, oh man, it's cold, this that, and then here comes one o'clock in the afternoon. Boom, sunshine. Get used to that, especially spring, summer, fall, man. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm prepared for it, and, and uh, you know, let's take let's 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 give it a shot, right? I've experienced, yeah. of course, very two different extremes of climate, like you mentioned, being from uh, the Minneapolis area, and then of course in the desert in Vegas as well. So this seems like a nice kind of hybrid and medium, and uh, being in two extreme climates has prepared me for anything. I, I feel very confident in that. So looking forward to the adjustment, and, and as I continue to get settled. All right, there it is. So in, in my my trips to San Francisco, I, I got another partner there. So there it'll be me, you, and the big seven footer, big Bill. Cartwright getting together. How's that, Sam? There you uh, go. Let's make it happen, TC. I'm looking forward to it. That's it. All right, man. Let's talk about the uh, conversation with the team now that you are are covering. You know, we go back to the the trade deadline, which was last uh, Thursday. Now we're hearing the rumblings that there was a near trade uh, that was talked about being pulled off. Obviously, it didn't happen. As the Golden State Warriors had conversations from a owner to owner standpoint um, with the Lakers about bringing LeBron James to join Steph Curry and company. Now, it, it didn't happen, but from what we're hearing, uh, you know, there were some serious conversations. Now, this all started, and there was like a 24-hour window, and I'll let you expand on it, uh, Sam, prior to the deadline last Thursday, where um, conversations took place between uh, Joe Jacob, uh, the owner of the Warriors, and Jeannie Buss of the Lakers. And um, I believe Joe Jacob thought that, hey, okay, LeBron, you know, he saw the cryptic tweet where there, there was an hourglass that he posted a week before the trading deadline. He, he wanted to say, wanted to see if there was any frustration there with James and the Lakers. And then next thing you know, we get Draymond Green gets involved and, you know, he has the same agent that LeBron James has and says, Hey man, let's try to make this thing happen. So he's trying to broker this deal. Jeannie Buss came back and told Joe Jacob that he would need to reach out to LeBron James's agent to see where his mind was at, gauging his temperature. And then uh, in the end, LeBron James said he wanted to stay with the Lakers. But apparently these conversations did take place between owner and owner. Also, Rob Palinka confirmed that there was trade talks. Uh, him and Mike Dunleavy Jr., the Warriors GM, uh, they were talking about this as well. And then we find out that Palinka also had conversations with Daryl Morey, the president of the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, about LeBron James being traded to, to Philly. And so it's kind of kind of strange that we hear all this, you know, kind of after the fact, but how much of this is, is the real deal? And, and tell us, uh, you know, what you were following here. Yeah, well, I think TC, and, and again, hat, you know, tip of the hat, great reporting from uh, obviously ESPN and then the athletic, right? Two great pieces today that I think contextualized all this. And uh, you know, as I'm still getting settled, right? Don't, you know, still trying to make sense of this, these kinds of things myself. But what I think, what I think is an interesting, what it provides you is, is a, a relatively interesting snapshot of where uh, these these franchises and respective players are uh, in their in their own careers and, and where, where they're kind of short and long term thinking. Right, what what the report that the Warriors you know kicked the tires on LeBron James tells me is that they there's an understanding there that there these these years that Steph Curry has and he's having another prime season. Right, just just absolutely. Still, uh, very much at the peak of his powers, right? Maybe if he's up the latter half of it, so be it. But uh, as as good as as pretty much anybody in the NBA, still on a night to night basis, one of the handful of uh, you know play, best players in the world, very much at this point, right? By uh, trading uh, for a player like LeBron James, you'd inevitably be having to part ways with a player like Jonathan Kaminga, who has really surged and and emerged as a as a key piece next to Stephen Curry, averaging. 
21 points a game uh, with this new starting lineup, his efficiency through the roof. So, you know, it looks like a promising number two option, which Draymond Green actually just proclaimed the other day uh, after the Warriors beat the Jazz in Utah, they have, having won seven of eight. I, I say all that to say uh, it, it goes to show you that the Warriors, if there's a move that they think would move the needle and increase the chance to win a title right now with Stephen Curry while he's at this level, they wouldn't hesitate to do it for the for the right price and and with with respect to how great of a stretch Jonathan Kaminga is having and the potential he has, like there's no denying at this stage, LeBron James has you know, more upside and would help the, would help the team contend more for a championship at this point. That's pretty clear. Uh, the Lakers obviously standing pat and shutting everything down shows you that despite maybe some of the 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 cryptic tweet or whatever the hourglass emoji. All these things, right? We know about how the, the kind of subliminal messaging and the social media messaging that LeBron James has used throughout the course of his career, right? Where, where, where things stand with the Lakers, he, of course, can opt out of his contract, be a, be a free agent, would certainly be the kind of player that would have leverage to negotiate a sign and trade if he opted in and opted into his contract and where they would work with Rich Paul and his agency to figure something out. So I say, you know, with his future uncertain, this goes to show you that the Lakers are committed to uh, keeping him in the fold and want, want LeBron to uh, finish his career and uh, continue to, to put the finishing touches on his legacy, whatever that may be, uh, in a Laker uniform. So, uh, that, that, that I think kind of emerged from this, uh, as well. And then, and then what do, what, what kind of do the respective star players? I mean, what, what are their trajectories in their careers, right? Like, again, I think, that this this kind of story, you know, again shows that the Lakers want LeBron James for the long haul. But is is that situation still fluid? Again, what kind of things would have to happen in order for him to sign a contract extension and whatnot? I think there still is urgency on them to to go ahead and improve the roster, uh, right? I think it's fair to uh, look at some of the the, the, the messaging that they, that it was. You know, he probably wanted some activity at the trade deadline. The Lakers stood pat and they've won, I think, five of their last six games. And are playing really well with a new look starting lineup with Rui Hachimura, right? Even standing pat, there's still space for them to compete in the Western Conference with their size, the matchup problems that that, that presents, and then with their experience, they got to the conference finals last year. So it is a team with pedigree. But uh, how might this the, the trajectory of the rest of the season kind of inform the future on his end? Uh, then you mentioned the Bronny James factor. Is he willing to come out? Is he going to be? Where might he be drafted? He's having a he's taking you know, having a freshman season at USC, which is to be expected from a freshman, especially going through what he what, what he's gone through. I say that to say, not necessarily sure he's producing at a level of a first round pick we've been producing. But when you're Bronny James and you're connected to LeBron James, uh, some exceptions might might obviously be made. So all things to monitor. Um, and then as it pertains to the Warriors, them standing pat at the deadline after that, beyond that goes to show that, hey, they're not going to part ways with assets or do anything rash uh, if they if they feel like they can go big game hunting in the summertime in terms of uh, get adding another star player or another high-priced player to the fold. They're going to have flexibility with Chris Paul's contract, which is non-guaranteed for next year. Uh, if they could, could, could figure out a trade that would work there, uh, pair that with Andrew Wiggins' salary, who's gonna, who makes it, I think, escalating money starting at 24, 25 million that, uh, this year goes up, but can also be paired with draft capital and whatnot, uh, to package together for a trade. And, you know, Clay Thompson on an expiring contract worth, you know, north of 40 million. So the Warriors are, there are going to be ways this summer that they can improve this roster. They can clear out cap space. Uh, they can package, they, they can piece something together for a trade. They can evaluate Kaminga the rest of the year. 
Uh, see, see where he stands. There has been a lot of positive developments for them amongst their young players who have been complimenting the veterans well. It's a team that's won seven of eight. And, uh, and there's still, I think, ways that the rest of the season can inform how they proceed. proceed. But uh, there, there is urgency with the Warriors, clearly. If, if Mike Dunleavy and, and ownership is looking into a deal like this, they know that they want to uh, go you know, swing for the fences as long as they have Steph Curry. It just wasn't the right time to make, to make a move like that at the trade deadline. And, and now they, they, they have a few months to kind of prepare their strategy as they, uh, as they enter the, the exit of Curry's prime these next few years here. All right, Sam, quick answer here because we, we're going to let you go. Um, but what is your biggest takeaway or biggest surprise or a little fandomonium moment uh, hanging out with this team? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, I, not to be too cliche, but the day-to-day brilliance of, of Stephen Curry, right, yeah. still, again, at his apex and one of the a uh, handful, ten or so greatest players uh, of all time, right? And pick your pick your side of the debate. He does things that nobody else uh, has ever done on the basketball court. There's a singularity to the way he plays. There's a he's one of one in, in terms of his skill set. So uh, I think big picture, it's 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 been it's been pretty unique to observe uh, him on a day to day level, and then how that kind of reverberates throughout the franchise, the standard that his leadership and his play sets, and and, and then you know the professionalism around. Uh, the organization as a whole is is, is pretty uh, conspicuous, right? It's not a coincidence that this has been one of the most successful and valuable uh, organizations in North American pro sports the last several years. It's it's, it's run that way, and uh, at the forefront of that is their superstar who continues to produce at, a, at an extremely high level and, and continues to you know to represent the franchise in the way that he has all these last several years. So it's been a great uh, and, and fun onboarding process, and looking forward to uh, continuing to cut my teeth and get a, 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 and really uh, and really sink in and settle in here in San Francisco, TC. I appreciate you having me on the show. You got it, man. One of my favorite franchises. Make sure you say hello to my good friend Raymond Ritter. Okay, he's he's yeah, one, absolutely he's one of the, he's one of the best uh, uh, PR guys, uh, media relations guys uh, out there. Sam, uh, continued success, and the Warriors are in action tonight against the against the Clippers. Enjoy that one, and uh, and uh, look forward to reading your recap, brother, tomorrow. I uh, appreciate you, TC. Talk soon, and uh, hope all is well in Vegas. Uh, congrats yeah. on the on the big week having the Super Bowl. Take care. There you go, Sam Gordon, who is now part of the San Francisco Chronicle covering the Golden State Warriors. All right, I want to thank Sam for joining us today and uh, as well as Chris Matthews from News 8 Now. All right, we're back out again tomorrow, jam-packed show. Make sure you join us 2 to 4 p.m. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a good one. We reconvene tomorrow at 2.